Hello and welcome to the Rogue Monkey Podcast, the show that shares insightful stories to motivate, inspire and support you following your dreams on your own journeys through work and life. We've had an awesome week putting together episodes for the coming months and just to give you an insight, we've been having conversations with air race pilots, businesses that are working on the Mars mission, a deaf author from New York and the head of well-being for one of the most innovative well-being solutions that we've come across. This week's guest is equally fascinating from the off and we explore how a handwritten letter nearly 20 years ago has led to a charity project in Malawi that has changed the lives of thousands of people. Our guest is Chris Knott, insurance broker and the founder of Starfish Malawi, a charity that has a simple but powerful vision, a just world where every child is educated, healthy and cared for, a noble vision and one we are really proud to support. How you get from that to creating a company called Car Insurance for Cyclists is an equally interesting story and one that has allowed the charity in Malawi to grow and develop so much. Just before we get into our conversation, we would just ask if you can give us a quick subscribe on whatever platform you're joining us on today. And after the episode, please give us a quick rate and review as it helps the show reach more people, which we really are passionate about. As always, if you want to know more about the podcast or the team, head over to our website, www.theroadmonkey.org. Right, let's get into our conversation and episode 67 of the Rogue Monkey podcast. Chris Knott, innovatively bringing insurance and cycling together to support a life-changing charity. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Well, thanks for agreeing to share some time with us. I know you've got a fascinating story to share with us today, but if you can give us a quick introduction as to who you are and I guess a little bit of your journey so far. Yes, well, um, I was an insurance broker uh, selling car insurance to uh, lots of owners clubs, Alfa Romeo, Saab, Volvo, for about uh, 25 years, a successful business, the one that was growing and then I received a, a, a letter from a strange place called Malawi. Um, I didn't know, really know where it was. Uh, and the letter came through the letterbox, handwritten, you know, and I just, it just sort of, I don't know why, but I decided to respond. It was asking me whether I'd go to a Malawi and help them to build a school and a church. And um, because the person had written to me, handwritten I decided to reply and I kind of said well you know thank you for your letter and I hope things go well and goodbye and god bless and I thought that was the end of it but a month or two later I received a response and uh, an opportunity arose when I was able to go to Malawi back in 2003 and uh, I went to Kenya because someone I was accompanying someone went to Kenya and then we went to Malawi just for about five days. And never did I think that it would have such an impact upon my life um, as it actually did. Um, yeah, I, I saw all the poverty, I, but I saw great joy. I saw great happiness. And I kind of thought when I get back to the UK, I can really help this situation. I didn't think quite it was going to mean what it actually did mean, but I thought I could help. So I came back to the UK and uh, I said, having built up a lovely business, 
20,000 clients and whatever, I thought to myself, I'll have a day off a month to do this. <laughs> and believe it or not, what happened was my director saw how much it had influenced me and how suddenly my life seemed to have a different focus that within a few months of me coming back from Malawi, they, they actually offered to buy me out, which is, I, I wasn't going to sell. I had no intention, but they offered to buy me out. And therefore, um, I sold I sold my business um, quite quickly. And uh, since then, for the last 18 years, I've been a chief exec of a growing charity. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But a growing charity um, where I'm uh, uh, I'm a volunteer, so I don't get paid. And uh, out of that, very briefly, um, about uh, three or four years ago, something like that, I was sitting on a park bench and uh, I saw these cyclists manoeuvring between cars. And suddenly this thought came into my mind, <laughs> car insurance for cyclists. Suddenly I, I it was just this like a Damascus Road experience where I suddenly thought surely that surely this cycling behavior would influence and uh, would would improve driving a car and I came up with this idea of car insurance for cyclists and I thought again suddenly I could combine my uh, insurance broking skills over many years with my new international development skills and somehow bring the two together and raise money, but at the same time, come up with a legitimate program whereby people who cycle and drive could get a decent discount off their car insurance. So that's where car insurance was born on a park bench, sitting uh, down and just watching some cyclists weave between cars. Well, that's a fantastic <laughs> story. And um, really kind of excited to see where we go next in this conversation. But at what point did you go from the, the park bench idea to a real live operating organization and start to see I guess the fruits of your labor if you like okay well I was uh, even though I'd sold my business it still operates under my name Chris not insurance so it still operates under that name and uh, I went to my uh, previous company that I'd set up and I said what do you think of this idea are you prepared to kind of support it and do all the quoting and all the admin. And if I just got what you might call an introducer's fee, so people who do go ahead or renew, I get a small, a small amount of money, all of which goes to Malawi. So in a sense, I already, <laughs> I had already established the, uh, the medium whereby I could actually uh, sell the car, uh, you know, do the quoting because it was my old company. So, uh, that was the next stage. So then I guess that's obviously the domestic side of things, if you like, what were happening in the UK. So let's talk a little bit about the, the other end of it, if you like, and what's happening on the ground in, in, down in, in Malawi. Okay. Uh, well, I said that I visited Malawi and I was introduced by a pastor. In fact, this particular person had written 200 letters to 200 people. And I was off a database. Now, I didn't know that at the time. Um, and it could well have been a scam. Uh, uh, two people responded to the letters and I was the only person who went. And uh, But I went and saw a genuine need. Uh, I went to a school called Kaputu School, which was a complete tip. 
And we just I decided that the first project I would do, thinking I was still going to be doing selling insurance and things like that, was uh, rebuild a school. And uh, after about three years, uh, we rebuilt a school for 2,000 children with teachers' houses, toilets, uh, staff room, everything else for 2,000 uh, children. It has indeed become the best school now in uh, in the Salima district of Malawi, like the county of Kent or something. It's become the best school as a result of our investment. And that's kind of where it all started. It, it got going um, at that time. And then <laughs> what tends to happen is that... Uh, you know, you go there and there are, there are great needs. I mean, at the time when I went, Malawi was officially the world's poorest country. I mean, you think of poor countries, you probably wouldn't have named Malawi, but it was officially the poorest. And so the needs were great, as they still are today. Um, but we then decided, uh, as the needs arose, so as we were working in the educational sector initially, uh, we thought, I, I, I obviously needed to raise some money in order to build schools or, or, or do whatever, libraries or send items by container. So I started to go to schools. Um, in fact, tomorrow I'm doing an assembly in front of 500 children at a school called Waverley Abbey um, and then doing lessons. And my whole day tomorrow will be spent in a school sharing my experiences of, um, of Malawi. Um, but... I found that there was a real sense when I started to contact my local school where my children went, they thought, yeah, that's a great idea. I'd love to come on board. So there was a, there was a flow of interest around education. And um, over the 18 years, we've had hundreds of teachers from the UK visit Malawi. Maybe 100 teachers from Malawi visit the UK through a British Council Connecting Classrooms grant. And uh, we've really worked within the educational sector. We've sponsored hundreds of children, maybe 500 children through secondary school, because in Malawi, you have to, um, you have to pay for secondary school. Primary school education is free, but not compulsory. Secondary school education, you have to pay. So we've, 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 we've taken it and gradually built upon the educational sector. We've provided libraries, books uh, and as I say we are linking at the moment currently 30 UK schools with 30 Malawi schools so that they can relate to one another and discover the world in which we live so it's quite a it's quite a, a, a moving you know it's it's, it, it's it's all these schools I've visited and all the relationships that I've developed it's sort of gone from just, just me to kind of a whole group of volunteers um, who um, have, have accompanied me to Malawi and then seen what we're doing and then decided I'd like to be part of that. So it's, it's grown uh, from uh, just, as I say, a one-man band to now maybe in the UK, 20 or 30 committee members and you know hundreds of teachers and lots of other people involved. So I guess I guess. wouldn't... You wouldn't have perhaps imagined the to where it's got to now when you kind of maybe had that first idea. So what kind of things have you picked up on the way in terms of 
lessons experiences that have kind of guided what you're doing now is there any particular moments that stand out to you as being key milestones or learning moments if you like yes um i think that what we what's so easy to do is just to raise money and then give it away and i think it's the training element and involving people in their own destiny that we 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 uh, follow so for instance if we built a school which we've built many school blocks what we will do is say to the community because it's their children it's not my children it's their children you've got to make the bricks bricks cost nothing to make they're they're molded out of basically mud and uh, and then water and everything else they don't actually cost any money to make but they take a lot of time. So we get the community to build the bricks. We want the community to value their children's education. And we feel as though we, that's a great way of doing it. So that rather than it become our school, you know, these rich people in the West school, it becomes their school because they've sweated. They know about the sweat on their brow and the hours that they put in. So I think that's perhaps the one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that uh, if you just give it, give things, then they're not valued in the same way. OK, people will say thank you and everything else. And, uh, you know, as we've developed, then to respond to need rather than uh, I think that's the other one. We built recently, we built a clinic um, in, in our particular area, 13,000 patients um, and, uh, you know, absolutely critical. And next year we plan to build a maternity uh, wing because children and babies are dying and mothers are dying in birth. So responding to a, the, the, the need rather than just to think, oh, that's a lovely idea, it's nice for the press or something, or people will like that, actually seeing what the community uh, uh, need. And, of course, it's endless as well. I know that. It's an, it's kind of, it doesn't just stop. But uh, it, it, it's building upon, um, as I say, relationships and uh, community involvement. I think that's what I'd say. I remember having a conversation. <clears throat> I remember having a conversation with someone a, a few years ago about a quite a philanthropic idea, and them telling me, "Oh, you, you're never going to change the world." And I feel like with these kind of projects, we're not going to change the world, but we're going to change somebody's world. And when you've got a network of say two thousand children in a school, you change two thousand people's lives and ultimately their families' lives for a positive thing. And I think too often, especially British people, we can be quite cynical over these sorts of things, and mm. Actually, if you, you reflect on it for what it is, I guess, from a, a high level perspective and say it's something that's positively influencing thousands of young people to have a better future. Yeah, that's that's an incredible thing that you're doing. So I guess from the other end, because I'm thinking about it again here, you've got the projects that are going on over there. What's the kind of um, structure out there, if you like, in terms of the the support, the connection, the relationship that you have, the interface between that country uh, and your organisation here? Yes, I've got a lovely story to tell you about that connectivity, maybe at the end. But the structure is that we've got a team out there. Um, the person who wrote the letter to me no longer is part of that team out there. Um, and we've got a really dedicated team, the uh, 
The, the person who runs it's Nigerian and his English wife, which is great. Um, obviously, COVID has <laughs> changed. Uh, we have to have COVID in the conversation somewhere. It's changed a few things, but we have a, a Malawian staff who are obviously paid. It's their job, but they are they're very keen to do it. Whereas over in the in the UK, we only have effectively one person doing two days admin per 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 week, uh, and that's the only staffing we have. In the UK, everybody else, every single person is a volunteer. So uh, the structures are that we have different people assigned to uh, different programs. So we have a program for uh, libraries. So there will be someone responsible for libraries. We uh, do a program called Bible Explorer in schools. We uh, provide um, for girls who have their period, we provide what we call gateway kit, kits, girls access to education, G-A-T-E. And we provide them with washable uh, kits because otherwise when they have their period, they fail to go to school. We've, we've, we've produced about 10, more than 10,000 kits, which means that girls can stay in education. So we, we have different like departments, our school's linking department, our secondary school sponsorship department. We've grown in country um, to probably a staffing of maybe uh, mm, 20 people. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Something that, um, because I'm thinking back to your park bench moment, mm. and I think having that vision there of quite literally just what you, you were doing at that point to where it is now, Knowing everything you know now and how it's grown and developed and, and it's the success that it is, what's the ambition going forward? So let's say in 2025, we have the same conversation again. Where would you like to see where you are? Um, it's a good question. I don't tend to anticipate. I mean, all I know is that um, um, I just do, I, I work wisely with what I'm given. So whatever I'm given, um, some supporter, and this is a true story, um, some supporter who I've worked with for a number of years, uh, we were talking about a maternity wing. And uh, I'm sorry if I well up a little bit here because it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful moment, but um, her mother died recently and she said she'd like to do something for Starfish and we sort of talked about a maternity wing and she's... Uh, offered us £50,000, £50,000, because we know her, she trusts us. And, and that came completely out of the blue. It might have been for my 2025 ambitions, but it'll be for 2022 now uh, we will do that. Um, so I kind of just uh, progressively, because there's so much going on, I, I often say to people, if you gave me... Um, hundred million pounds <laughs> I could probably easily find things to do with it because as I say if you go to Malawi you find that uh, uh, there's no run where we work there's no running water so there's no electricity if you just take out and there's really holes in the ground for toilets if you just take those three things alone and you see how it would affect your life your own personal life without those three things and you begin to think, well, what could I just to put, just to access those 
facilities, those services would be would be huge. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, the Starfish story, that's the charity is called Starfish Malawi. The Starfish story is all about the, the uh, starfish being washed up on the seashore and you pick up one at a time and throw it back. And as you throw it back, help that one, save that one, done something for that one. And if you can just help the ones and twos, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's valuable. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's involving people. And what I try and do is rather than go out for money, when I at the school tomorrow, I will not mention money. I will mention it. What I want to really capture is people's attention, capture their mind, capture their heart when they're just young children, so that they're shaped to recognise the world in which we live. So um, I think it's just seeing how that goes on and uh, just being available to whatever uh, may happen, um, you know, whatever comes up in the future. This this maternity wing was something that was in a report about two months ago, and then suddenly, within two months, <laughs> we, we've got the funding not only to build it, equip it and run it for a year, it just came in a sense out of the blue. So um, I don't kind of, there's enough with the people that we are working with to have, a, to, to be able to, you know, just to, to, to plan for the future. One of the things I, I, I can say is that uh, when I first went to Malawi um, 18 years ago, I've been 29 times, the average life expectancy was 37. You cannot believe it. 18 years later, the average life expectancy is 64. So I'm not saying it's about starfish. I'm not saying we've done that, but I'm saying we've contributed towards the wonderful sense that life is important. And uh, we've, we've seen, uh, we've, we've uh, been part of that uh, great change through education, healthcare, and all of those other things. That's fantastic. <clears throat> So one thing, I guess, to pull it together, you mentioned earlier about the connectivity story. So I'd be curious to explore that and, and, and what that means. OK, well, so the connectivity story was lovely because I was in Malawi last time I was there. I think it was last time, maybe the time before last. And I was at a petrol station filling up the car. And a young lady came to see to help me, a lady called Grace, and she filled up the car and having filled it up she said would you like a receipt and I said yes please and she said what name would you like the receipt in and I said starfish Malawi and she looked at me and I looked at her and I knew she had a story she told me her story she had been at the school where we originally rebuilt the school she can't really she can't remember me it wasn't really about me but she remembers that somebody like me had turned up and the school had got rebuilt and she was she benefited from better education she got accepted for secondary school but she couldn't afford to go to secondary school um but she became one of the very first starfish malawi sponsored students and had gone to secondary school done very well at secondary school her sponsor had then agreed to help her through teachers training college and she had just finished teaching teachers training college and she was just doing a, a, a job between having finished at teachers training college and starting at a first school called uh, Katatima, 
which was one of our link schools. And she was going to go as a teacher to the school where we we also link and support. So I kind of saw that journey from a little girl aged sort of six or seven through to a, a, a young woman in her early 20s, that journey through. And suddenly I didn't I didn't know who she was. I had no, you know, anything. But I could see suddenly the way that what we had, our investment in this one young girl through those years has now produced a teacher who herself is now going to help others. And it's kind of seeing that connectivity of the work. And often most of the best things happen when you're not aware of them rather than you know, you come and you boast about this or that. It's the little things that are going on underneath the, you know, underneath the radar, so to speak. That's a beautiful story to, to pull it all together. And I've no doubt that our listeners and viewers out there will have quite a lot of questions about both the, the charity itself, but also the insurance and how they can get involved in it. So we'll make sure that absolutely everything uh, the links to what you're doing, uh, both abroad and domestically, the insurance and everything else is included in the show notes. But Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us. Yes. Would you, I mean, I would you like me just to say, I'm sorry, I know we're probably near the end, but just to tell you a little bit about car insurance for cyclists. Yeah, definitely. So that would be a nice way, I guess, to pull it together so people can hopefully think about what they do next. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, um, Having had that moment, we've gone, we've got to have a panel of underwriters who have said that they recognise that cycling does, in, in fact, improve driving. We now have statistics that prove that. So uh, what we ask people to do is if their renewal is not due, is to register their renewal so that if it's due sort of uh, next June, we will then get back in touch with you near the time, because that's one of the difficulties selling car insurance is that your people might be interested, but their renewal's not due. Uh, the website is carinsuranceforcyclists.com. And this is one of our flyers we have, which shows a woman looking through, looking at the road through the eyes of a cyclist. And uh, carinsuranceforcyclists.com. And as I say, details will be provided. And the average savings from existing renewal premiums that's the one that you are invited at rather than the one that you get through searching or the go compare and money supermarket. And we have to compete with those people is 21 cent, which is which is a decent saving. Obviously, there are always exceptions <laughs> uh, to the rule. And, uh, you know, it, it is a competitive market. But the the thing is that when someone does go ahead or renew, then an element of that commission comes to me and I then pass it on to support the work that I'm doing. And the logic behind it is if you are healthy, if you are cycling, you are getting road experience. If you're cycling, you're not driving. Therefore, uh, your exposure is down because you're not in your car perhaps as much as you would be if you didn't cycle and drive. And uh, obviously, there's a whole of the eco benefits and all sorts of other things that are going on. So it's um, it's good to do. But at the same time, I can say to you, from my perspective, I don't take one penny myself. And therefore, my driver is to get people to when their insurance is due for renewal, give us a chance to quote. You'll, you'll go to all these other places. Why not try us out and then? Uh, you know, we'll be delighted to uh, give you a give you a, a 
ago. And uh, as I say, we are we convert about one in three, which sounds it means two in three we don't. But you know, in our industry, with the plethora of insurance offers, actually one in three is a good conversion rate. Thank you, Kevin. Ah, oh, that's fantastic, and uh, it's uh, it's really nice to share the story of something you know. I mentioned before we started recording, you know. You- your organization was based originally your original company out of where i grew up so it's really nice to have kind of discovered this story and be sharing it with people but yeah it's been it's been really enjoyable and i look forward to hopefully connecting more and more people with you going forwards but again thank you so much for your time thank you thank you for listening to today's podcast and don't forget we've got a back catalogue of content that goes all the way back to January 2020 including fighter pilots, Olympic champions, TV presenters and inspiring authors. We'd really appreciate it if you can give us a quick rate and review however you're joining us today and if you don't want to miss out on any future episodes make sure you hit subscribe. Our community update drops once a month and we've got some great guest content being added, so be sure to sign up for that. And finally, we're all about inspiring and supporting as many people as possible. So if you can share this episode with one person that you think would enjoy it, that would be really, really cool. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Rogue Monkey Podcast.